Sue is... The reading this evening is taken from, is, is actually Luke 24, verses 13 to 35, and it can be found in the Bibles on page 1061. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Thanks, Sue. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Good evening, Mike. And happy bank holiday weekend. I hope you have a good time so far and enjoy your day off tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, it should be good. As Janie said at the beginning, we were going to talk about how you can get involved, how you can volunteer and 
talk about all the amazing things we do and all the amazing opportunities uh, that we do have to sort of grow and develop as you, you help us lead the church forward. But as you will know, if you come to St. Saviour's, you're part of the family here, uh, we've had a, a, a difficult few weeks, really. Quite a few people have been quite unwell. We had Torben's funeral uh, last week in Thanksgiving service. And so we thought, let's change tack this Sunday and think about, you know, how can we basically journey through the difficult times as a Christian? You know, what, what helps us as we go through difficult times? And of course, we will go through difficult times. And I think difficult times take all sorts of shapes and sizes. And I was thinking about this. I think sometimes our difficulties, for example, could be uh, work-related. You know, have you ever, have you ever worked or do you work in a really stressful environment where you've got unrealistic demands and it's like the emails keep coming and even when you're on holiday, the emails keep coming and you just, you just are struggling to keep your head above water or financial difficulties are tough, aren't they? Where you think, oh my goodness, you know, uh, what if I lose that job or what if that happens and we can't sort of pay for this or that, can't pay the, the mortgage. I think relational uh, challenges are quite tough as well. And I think they can be very wearing relational things. Maybe, you know, I don't know, you're at school or uni and you've got funny stuff going on with your friendship group or people posting unhelpful things uh, about you or, or, or not responding to, to you on Instagram or whatever it might be. And then there, there can be stressful family relational situations. And Difficulties, just the, the busyness of life. I was praying for this evening. I felt, you know, many of us are just in the busyness of life big time. And uh, we've got to, we're just trying to keep our head above water. And then, of course, you know, we hit those really awful times as well where people we love die or get very, very sick. And these things are really, really stressful. And so all I want to do, really, from this uh, story of these two guys walking on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem, this village called Emmaus, uh, what can we take from their journey, uh, which was a difficult journey? Uh, it was a difficult journey because, just to give it a little bit of context, they basically loved Jesus Christ. They'd followed him. They were disciples. One was called Cleopas. Uh, we don't know the other one's name. And they just followed uh, this person, and then he'd been killed. And he'd made all sorts of promises, but he was dead. And he'd said, I'll do this and that. And he healed people. He did extraordinary things. And it was over. And so when we catch up with these two, they're actually in a difficult context, they're in a difficult journey, uh, moving away from Jerusalem, moving away from really where God was. Uh, Jerusalem was the center uh, of worship at this time. Now what I want to do therefore tonight is just draw uh, a, a quick number of pointers from this passage. I've got seven, don't sigh, it's going to be quick. And uh, the first one is this, in difficult times, make sure you're walking with other people. Make sure you're walking uh, with other people, verses uh, 13 to 14. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So they're in a difficult situation, but at least they're journeying with other people. 
It's very, very tempting in a difficult season. I don't know what you're like. I'm like this. When it gets difficult for me, I can withdraw and isolate and shut down a bit and not talk, not reach out. But actually, it's important that we walk with other people. And I think one of the most extraordinary things about God, I've been thinking about it a lot, reading about it a lot recently, is that God himself uh, does life or journeys in community, in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He does life in community. And actually, Jesus modeled life in community when he came. He uh, did life very closely with 12 people, you know, the 12 disciples. And uh, he lived with them, he journeyed with them, and uh, he ate with them, he taught them, he had fun with them, he parted with them, he did all sorts of stuff with them. Uh, but he modeled life. He says life lived well is lived in community with others, walking with others. And, um, you know, I sometimes think, oh, well, you know, as I look back over my life, I, I wouldn't say I've had lots of, I haven't even had 12 people probably who I, I'm really journeying with really, really closely. But what's fascinating about Jesus is that he really journeyed closely of the 12 with three of them, Peter, James, and John. And uh, he seemed to have... At particular times, the most significant times of his life, he gathered those three and journeyed with them. And then actually, he also had John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, one especially. And so what I'm encouraging us to do, what I'm uh, asking myself, what I'm asking all of us is in the difficult seasons of life uh, to walk with other people. And not just walk with them, not acquaintances, not just doing life with them. I mean, you need one at least, maybe more people in your life who know the deal, who know really, really what's going on and who you haven't got your game face on for or what have you. And uh, I think we all have the sort of front stage of our life at work, uh, out in the community, and uh, we have a sort of persona that we have, but often there's the backstage as well that no one really knows about. It's quite private. And you need at least one other person who really knows the deal and what's going on. You know, the good stuff, I'm not suggesting it's all bad, but also the struggles, the challenges. And uh, often we present this sort of thing, but we need people who are really, really uh, know what's going on. I love that. Uh, I don't know whether you saw that news clip of the the Asian specialist being interviewed by the BBC, and he was being interviewed, it was all this live interviews on the six o'clock news or something, ah, da, 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 da. yes, South Korea, North Korea. And then in the back, just behind him, he didn't realize, uh, his two-year-old child just started walking in. And then another baby sort of, a baby sort of came in and something else, and then his wife came in, in the, you know, on cameras. <laughs> you sort of thought, front stage, backstage, you know, what's really going on? Because we often, yes, yes, fine, thanks. Well, great, great weekend. Yeah, it was a real laugh. Bank holiday, yeah, great, laugh. Oh, yeah, let's Facebook that. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. But what's really, really going on backstage? You need people who know what's happening. And the reason you need people who know what's happening because they can walk with you, encourage you, champion you, pray for you, and uh, help you on your way. This is what these two are doing. Second, know God is with you. Know that God uh, is with you. You know, this is verse 15 and 16. As they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. 
Jesus comes, but they're kept from recognizing him. There's some sort of supernatural thing going on here. But it makes a very important point, which is that, you know, in difficult times, in difficult seasons, we can sort of think, oh, God, where are you? You've gone. You're not here. And we can feel abandoned or bereft. And I think this is a massive issue for us in the church. We seem to think that God isn't, he's somewhere else. Have you noticed that? And so uh, we sing worship songs that sort of have lyrics like, would you please come, or, or, or please come here, or we say things like, uh, God really showed up, um, which suggests he's somewhere else. But actually, you know, God is here. He's right here. And we know that, of course. We know the theology. God is omnipresent. But actually, in the challenging seasons, we forget that God is with us. But he's with us. He's here. And when I first came to faith, I'd been a Christian about 10 minutes, and someone said, I suggest you read this book. It was the first Christian book I ever read. I read about five books a week. I'm a bit crazy. Uh, But this is the first one I ever read. It was called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. I don't know whether I'd give it to a brand new Christian, to be honest. But it was all about how God is present with you. And I was working as a washer-upper in a seedy restaurant in Reading. I was at the university there. And uh, this guy, this monk, was a washer-upper. And he used to talk about how in the kitchen he sensed the presence of God. That really struck me. But know that God is with you in the difficulty. Know that God is with you in those awful business meetings. Know that God is with you when things get tense. Know that God is with you uh, when actually your life feels like it's falling apart. God is with you. And on really, really bad days, I've had some awful seasons in my life, I'll often put a ring on the wrong finger. Or I've got this other ring. I've got all this really dodgy jewelry. (laughs) Bling. And uh, I put it on the wrong finger, and it just feels a bit uncomfortable. And what it does, it just reminds me, oh, yeah, God's with me. I've got a friend, he puts like a thing in his shoe, and he sort of walks along. It's slightly just there. But, oh, yeah, God's with me. God's with me. God's with me. Uh, Because in the difficult times, you just forget that God is with you. Is that just me? It's just me. Thanks for that that empathy and interaction. Number three, let's uh, move on. Hold on to your history or your story with God. Hold on to your history or your story uh, with God. That tends to go out the window in difficult times. And you see this verse 17 to 24. Jesus basically asks some questions. And what he's trying to get these, people, these two to do, who are, who are feeling depressed, who are feeling traumatized, who are at the lowest point in their life, he's trying to get them just to tell the story of what's happened with him, their experience of him. So you see this 17 to 24. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know these things that will happen in these last days? Like, where have you been? Have you got your head in your stand or something? Jesus, of course, knows, but says, what things? Uh, he says, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we'd hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, 
It's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, and you never guess what. They didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see. They're telling the story of what's happened for them with Jesus. And again, in difficult times, that goes out the window. You forget, don't you, the faithfulness of God and what God has done in the past. In the uh, tradition of the people of God, the people of God are often encouraged to write down, to record what God has done. And, uh, you know, Psalm 78 is an example of this. It's basically a summary of what God does in the whole of the Old Testament, as far as I can work out. And it's, it's the story of what God's done. It's his faithfulness. And then uh, stuff like Joel 1, 1 to 3, there's this bit, you know, tell your children and get them to tell their children uh, about God and what he's done. And I don't know if you noticed this, but at significant times in their lives, uh, the people of God, the leaders of God's people, uh, you see them sort of building a, a pile of stones, a monument. I met God here. This is significant. I've got, I'm going to put a sign here. Or there's, there's someone like Jacob. He has this, um, this dream in, I think it's Genesis uh, 37, where uh, he, he has the, the ladder coming down and he puts a stone uh, in the place, just to mark something significant. Now, have you ever had any significant experience or moments with God? Janie, <laughs> mark them, write them down. I say to people, write down your story, write down the uh, uh, stuff that's been significant with God, because you forget that uh, when things get tough, and you can come back to it. I found some journals I wrote in my uh, when I started writing them when I was 23, and uh, I started reading, oh, wow, I've forgotten that. I forgot that happened. Oh my gosh, I remember God did that. Oh my goodness, and I remember that person I met. That was amazing. And oh my gosh, I felt so bereft then, but actually God came through. I was really depressed then, feeling like I was at the end of myself. I wasn't gonna make it, but actually that happened and that happened. And you just hold on to your story with God. Uh, and what he's actually um, done. This is very, very uh, important to do this. Fourthly, draw strength from the word. Draw strength from the word. In difficult seasons, draw strength uh, from the word. This is verses 25 to 27. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe, although the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, imagine that. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You know, uh, if you can pray in difficult seasons um, and, and read the word, this is so important. I don't mean this in a, let's belt you over the head with a Bible, but the word of God uh, spurs you on and it's an easy thing you can do in a difficult season. There's lots of things you can't do, uh, but you can, I would hope, I found most days, not always, I've been able to read uh, the Bible or read a verse. And, um, you know, the, the Word of God is powerful. There's that um, verse in Psalm 119, 105. Uh, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it lightens the way. It shows you the way to go in the darkness. Many years ago, I won't tell you the whole story, but I'm in New Zealand, jet-lagged. I'm in a 
place called Queenstown. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Uh, there's mountains here. It's like being, it's like it looks computer generated. It's so uh, just amazing. I wake up in the morning in this hotel. I think I'm going to go for a run along the lake. No one's there. I mean, it's foggy. It's misty. I go down by the lake down this path. And I'm running and I suddenly think, oh my gosh, I can't even see the path. I can't even see the path. And I start, try, literally, I get my phone out, you know, trying to, with my iPhone, trying, and then a light went on above me. And it was on a sensor thing. And I, oh, I could see. And then, all right, boom, another one. I could see the path. Boom, boom. It was the most magical thing, just running around this lake on my own uh, in the darkness with these lights going on. But this is what the Word of God does and uh, actually lightens our path. And, you know, I don't know about you, uh, in your difficult seasons, your difficult journeys, we feel all sorts of things. Uh, you know, there's the kind of everyday challenges, but then there's the crisis stuff where we end up feeling really, really vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever felt really vulnerable and like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just hanging on in there. And, uh, you know, you can hold on to verses like Isaiah 42, 3, I think it is. You know, a bruised reed, he won't break. Uh, a smoldering candle, he won't snuff out. And, you know, we can often feel that uh, we're on the edge of ourselves. But, you know, God is not going to break us. He's not going to blow the candle out where we're just struggling, you know. And... There are other verses, you know, I don't know whether you ever feel completely sunk or you're, you're trying to get your head in, uh, 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 keep your head above water with all the busyness, all the demands. You know, Isaiah 43, when you, when you walk through the waters, I'm with you. When, the, when you go through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. You can keep your head above water. These are, these are things to hold on to. These are verses that I found helpful. You've probably got your own. Or you can feel, you know, really, really frightened. I was, uh, a while back, I was watching one of my boys play football. I normally talk to the other dads predominantly who were there. And I was just feeling, I was standing just watching one of my children play. I was thinking, I've been feeling really weird the last few weeks. I was thinking, what is it? I was thinking, do I feel depressed? I think, it's not depression. Do I feel exhausted? I was feeling... I d it's not exhaustion. Uh, and then I thought, I actually feel fear and anxiety. It's anxiety. This is what I'm feeling. And, uh, you know, I hold on to this verse, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And these things you can hold close to your heart. I love what uh, Jeremiah says uh, in Jeremiah 16, verse 15. He, he's this amazing prophet, one of my, my heroes. And he's, he's gets this prophetic call and the Lord speaks to him on one occasion. He says this, he says, I ate your words. I ate your words and they brought joy and gladdened my heart. For you are the Lord Almighty. So you've got to take the word of God and you've got to eat it and imbibe it and ingest it. It's not like a book. This isn't like a normal book. I only want this. <laughs> what should I do with it? <laughs> should I stick it under the chair? No, I'm going to have to eat this now just to complete this illustration. Just please don't look at me. I'm just trying to swallow this. 
Okay, it's gone. That was nice cardboard. Anyway. Do you know what I'm talking about with the Word of God? And, and, and record the verses, carry them with you, write them in your kitchen, uh, put them in your phone, uh, what have you. And it, 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 there's so many things out there now, apps that will send you a verse a day or something that can strengthen you. Fifthly, seek to encounter Jesus. I think this is verse 28 to 31. Let's see, I think it probably is. As they approached the village in which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went to stay with them. You know, as far as you can, uh, it's important, and I, I haven't always been able to do this in really challenging times, but to be seeking the Lord, seeking Jesus, pressing in to seek him. You know, uh, there's that phrase, they urged him strongly to stay, urged him strongly. There's a sense in this of pleading, would you please stay, would you please, don't go, don't go, just stay with us, don't go. And, um, you know, uh, I think we're often too English or polite with God. And actually, we need to be people who, in these difficult seasons, I think generally, we cling on to God. And a bit like Jacob again, who wrestles with God. He says, I am not going to let go of you until you bless me. And uh, I came to the end of uh, uh, myself a while ago, and I was like praying one night, and I was just saying, Lord... You have got to speak to me. I need you to just answer this question. And I am not leaving this place till you've spoken. And you've got to become determined and aggressive and resolute and passionate and uncompromising to plead with God to do whatever you want him to do and to speak and encourage or whatever it might be. And you know what? God loves that. He loves people who wrestle with him. I'm always a bit too flaky. It's like, oh, okay, I'll go and make the boys dinner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, no, 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 I've got to watch Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Off you go. But actually, we've got to just press into God and just take no, don't take no for an answer and show real determination in that. The other interesting thing here is you might say, well, I just can't do that. You know, can I suggest that Other things can help in a really difficult season. Here you see the sacraments. Jesus takes communion, verse 30, 31. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. You know, I had a very good friend in New Zealand who was this priest, high Anglo-Catholic incredibly liberal uh, theologically, this guy, but we were very good friends. And uh, one day I said to him, David, how are you doing? And uh, he said, Mike, it's awful. He, he just, his eyes filled with tears. And he said, literally, I'm, I'm just hanging on the edge by my fingertips. And it's awful because I've been there a while and I'm feeling my hands slip. He said, but I found communion has carried me. And I thought, what are you talking about? Communion and the liturgy, he said, have carried me. I thought, what are you talking about? And then a few years later, I found myself in a similar situation. And I remembered what my friend David had said. I couldn't pray, I couldn't read the Bible, I couldn't do anything, and uh, I took communion. 
And uh, I just at home got some bread, got some wine, and I just sat there, Lord, okay, this is, okay, boom. Physical, tangible, and it sustained me. It carried me for about three months. It's all I could do in the darkness. The other thing to say, it's clear here, is not just think about those things. Uh, Be aware of your emotions too. You see this as well in this passage here. Verse 32, if I can read it in this light. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You know, uh, God is present. He's always with us. He's always present. And actually, have you ever felt God just stir you emotionally and stir you uh, with his presence? And you don't always understand that. Have you had that? So pay attention to your emotional life and what's going on because God can stir us. I, had a, I was in uh, London last night. It was my, one of my goddaughter's 16th birthday. It's, a, it's so wonderful, 16. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And I was just sitting next to her. She was talking. And I just felt God stir me and just for her. And so I ended up praying with her. But, you know, notice your emotions as you follow God. Our hearts burned. And actually, God is with us. And even though we might recognize him, he's actually doing stuff. And uh, the final thing I'd say on this pressing into God is you have to become a person who uh, knows what it is to follow the Spirit uh, if you're going to be able to really press into God. You know, this context I've told you the immediate context. Jesus, before he died, said, you know, I'm going to send another person. He's going to come. He's going to be with you. He's going to encourage uh, you, strengthen you. He's going to remind you of, of what I said to you, and he is going to lead you into truth. He's called the Spirit, and I'm not going to leave you as orphans, and he's going to come. Uh, the two clear past his friend, they, they, the Spirit wasn't poured out at this time. But Jesus then, you know the story, uh, the disciples regather. He tells them to wait for them. Where? In Emmaus? No, Jerusalem. And the Spirit's poured out. And uh, we're people of the Spirit. The Bible tells us Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Spirit has come and has filled us and is uh, actually with us. So if you want to press into God, you've got to be someone who knows how to open yourself to the Holy Spirit. You've got to be someone who knows how to hear uh, the voice of the Spirit. You need to be someone who uh, walks in the fruit of the Spirit, who knows how not to quench the Spirit or grieve the Spirit, and someone who knows what it is just to sit uh, with the Spirit and enjoy the presence of God. This is so important for us as we seek to uh, journey on, especially, well, always, actually, in, in times, especially in difficult times. So, are we exhausted, or do you want number six? Number six, number six here we go. In drift, if you are drifting, turn around, verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them assembled together. One thing that happens when we're in difficult times is that we drift and we shut off, we close down, and we, we drift away from God. 
And you see, you see this all through the New Testament. You know, we often think if Jesus was here, uh, everyone in, in, in the town would come to faith. And it wouldn't be 91, it would be 99% in the church, 100%. Actually, you know, that's not true. Lots of the disciples who were with Jesus deserted him. And they didn't follow him. And they drifted away from him. And so actually, I want to just ask you a direct question tonight. Have you drifted away from God? Are you going the wrong direction? Uh, If you feel you are, you need to just turn around, if you can, and come back to Jerusalem, come back to, to the Lord. And actually, difficult times aside, I would really, really encourage you to uh, actually uh, turn around on a regular, on a daily basis, and uh, seek to walk uh, and grow in your faith all the time, as far as you can. And, uh, you know, I think um, this is paramount that we do this, that, we, that we're just putting the foot forward. I stand in the shower every morning. Don't imagine that, please. It won't be very nice for you. Uh, <laughs> and I just say, Lord, just help me follow you today, just to, just to go your way. That's my first prayer of the day. Will you just help me walk towards you, live as you'd want me to today? And so we need to do that and turn around and watch the drift, watch the drift factor Uh, It's so easy just to end up just sleepwalking as a Christian and to, you know, like your spiritual life becomes like the washing machine. I was down by our washing machine the other day. I was folding up some washing and the washing machine was on the cycles. It wasn't broken. I just can't do the the real noise. But, you know, uh, it can become so mundane, can't it? Just, and we've got to actually just come back, turn around, and come back to the Lord and uh, seek him. So the final thing, this is number seven. I told you it would be quick. I can't even work out how long that was, but here you go. Make a decision to hold on to the truth. Make a decision to hold on to the truth. Because you see, what we're caught up with, despite the difficult seasons, despite the challenges uh, we're all gonna face, is actually, uh, like the disciples in verse 34, we can say, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. And the two told what had happened on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke bread. I would just encourage you in difficult times or at some point, you you might want to do it today when you get home, to just say, you know, no matter what, God, I'm just going to hold on to your truth. I'm gripping your truth. Even in those times when I just don't know what the hell is happening and uh, I just feel nothing, I can't sense your presence, I I can't pray, I'm confused, I'm stressed out. I'm just going to hold on, cling on to uh, your truth. I love this story of Billy Graham. And he came to faith as a young man. And uh, he, uh, very early on in his journey with God, he, he basically said this. He said, you know, I got down on my knees because um, I actually uh, came to faith. I was reading the Bible. I didn't really understand it all. And some of it troubled me. And... Um, some of it wasn't very culturally correct, or, but I got down on my knees 
just shortly after coming to faith, and I prayed, Lord, you know, I don't understand everything about you. I don't understand all about the Bible. I'm confused about many things, but no matter what, I make the promise I'm just going to cling on to the truth of who you are, the truth of who you say you are, and I'm not going to let go of you for the rest of my life, no matter what happens. And we need to do that because we're vulnerable, particularly in difficult seasons. And I want to encourage you to actually um, hold on to the truth. It's really, really important, uh, the truth of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who he is, what he's going to do. And I would encourage you to actually seek to grow in your faith and not just survive, but try new things. You know, if you've got the same understanding of God uh, that you had 20 years ago, you know, you've got to, I would watch that. Uh, We're growing, we're developing. I would try new things. I have a very different relationship to God than I had in my mid-20s. Different again, having had children and all the wonder and stress of that in my mid-30s. I'm approaching 50, and my understanding of God uh, is very, very different to um, 30 years ago. And that's a good thing, because I'm seeking to grow. I'm seeking to follow Jesus and uh, and grow and develop. I don't want to do the washing machine thing. And so I've tried all sorts of different things over the years, different ways of praying, different ways of going on retreat, different ways of doing life and taking risks, out on the streets, whatever it is. My latest thing is, uh, I'm thinking, I, I don't know whether I'll do this or not, but um, I'm going to go into and learn all about Russian icons. Why? Because I'm just trying to keep my faith fresh. I'm clinging on to the truth, and I'm wanting just to actually explore and do new things and not get stuck. Now, if you said to me, age 23, uh, here's a book, Mike, on Russian icons. Do you want to read it? I'd say, just get real. I'm not interested. That's this rubbish stuff from the East. I'm not interested. But do you know what I mean? We need to be pressing in and diversifying and experimenting and uh, actually journeying. And if you had doubts and questions as you followed God, I just need to say that's totally normal. Shall I tell you, people who really worry me are people who say, you know, someone said to me once, you know, I have no questions about my faith, no doubts, and I think I've just really got the death and resurrection of Jesus really taped. I was really worried. I thought, wow. But if someone says, you know, I'm struggling, I've got these questions, or why is that? I think that's what the spiritual life is. Let me end with a story. A while ago, maybe three years ago, I cut the tokens off the back of the cereal packets managed to get to Legoland. I think it was Legoland, somewhere like that. And uh, so I take my boys, and there's, I think it was Legoland, there's this pirate ship. You know one of those pirate ship things? You know, those big ships that swings. And um, so we go up, and uh, there's that height chart thing. I was just tall enough to get on. And um, basically, uh, I thought the boys were fine. So I've got two of my boys either side of me. And... Uh, I didn't realize they were too small to go on the pirate ship. And what that meant was that basically, as it started to sort of swing, I noticed that their safety stuff that had sort of come down wasn't doing anything. 
and they were just going to slip out. And these things, they sort of, if you've been on, they, they actually go like, you're like as high as the church. Is for, I mean, it's just this, so I'm clinging, clinging, clinging onto them. I'm clinging onto them, and I'm trying not to panic so I don't freak them out. But I've literally got them by their, like this, you know. And uh, I just said, just sit still, and isn't this fun sort of thing. And, um, ha, 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 and I, I'm clinging, clinging, clinging to them. And I'm panicking inside because uh, they're precious. I love them. I don't want to lose them. I'd jump off the pirate ship for them. I adore them. They're wonderful. They're precious. So I cling, 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 cling. And we need to uh, cling to God over the course of our lives. We need to cling onto what is precious and valuable and worthy and true and gracious and not let go. So I hope that has offered you some food for thought. I hope some of what I said tonight might help. If you, if you find yourself just journeying on in a, in a season that's challenging. So I think what we should do is stand, and I think we should just wait on the Holy Spirit.